and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Dee, the Managing Editor at Anifem. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And I am joined today by fellow Anifem staffers, Caitlin and Vry. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I am the Community Manager at Anifem, as well as editing and writing. Uh, I write for my own website, I Have a Heroin Problem, and I am the uh, anime reviewer for The Daily Dot. And you can find me on Twitter at altsoon underscore no dare. Uh, hey, I'm Vry. I'm an editor and contributor for Anime Phonist. You can find me on Twitter at writer Vry. If you check my pinned tweet, you can find all the places I, fe- uh, I freelance, which is a lot of them. Or you can find the other podcast I'm on at TrashPod. And today we're wrapping up our Escaflone rewatch along with episodes 21 through 26. Conclusions have been reached and we can finally talk without fear of spoilers. <laughs> yes. uh, but first, a quick recap because this is Escaflone and everything continues to happen so much. So, much. so very much. Uh, so, rundown. Here we go. I thought about putting this in a rhymed couplet format and then decided I just was too tired for it. Um, Aria and Naria, our cat girls, die of a luck overdose. Falcon turns on Zybok. Alan and Hitomi date for like 12 minutes. The gang goes to war, except Delando, who is having an identity crisis and trying to eat snails. Uh, Hitomi briefly returns to Earth before realizing she wants to be with Vaughn, so she comes back to Gaia. Um, also, Alan's long-lost sibling returns, and surprise, it's Delando! Um, Falcon kills Dorankirk, but dies in the process. Uh, Dor- Dorankirk's force ghost sets the fate machine in motion, and everyone's wishes become a super powerful. Uh, but oops, turns out everyone wishes for murder. Womp womp. Uh, Vaughn and Alan throw down. Hitomi yells at Vaughn and realizes she loves him. Alan is reunited with his sibling. The war ends. Vaughn and Hitomi get together for like 12 minutes. Uh, everyone's force ghosts look on approvingly, and then Hitomi returns to Earth. The end. I think those were the, I think those were the main points. Okay. The end. Um, normally, this is the part where I ask for like general impressions, but I kind of feel like that's just going to come out organically in the conversation. And also, Vry has been sitting on this for so long. Oh my God. So Vry, just talk about Delanta. <laughs> Go. Just Hello, let it you out. Met my son, he's trans as fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, like like I said, I watched this series in, and I was actually able to re- reverse engineer the exact time period. It was the summer of 2012 because I'd watched the woman called Fujiko Mine a couple months earlier. And this time around, I realized, oh, Delando is just Oscar. And that's part of why I like him so much. There are definitely similarities there. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, there is so much transcoding in Delando's story arc. It actually boggles my mind. Sometimes I sit back and, and get sad about what kind of character arc he might have had in a series that wasn't so deeply shaped by binary understandings of gender. The fandom was no help whatsoever. Uh, Trust me, I immediately went and read all of it and went desperately combing through old fanfics. The Escaflone fandom back in the day was not great, so there were one or two and mostly not very interesting. And... None of this is, of course, to say that this is what we would call a good representation. I think by the time this comes out, this actual podcast episode, I'll have written an essay talking about Reclamation and Delandau and Oscar and Nauto, because I've got some feelings that I need more time than a podcast to put together. Excellent. Yes, good. Um, but yeah, Delandau is not what, what I would call, yay, good trans representation, because he undergoes forced gender reassignment, which is so extremely, this is the future the liberals want that I can't. But at the same time, I remain like perennially disappointed by his character arc because it introduces this thing and it's magic or whatever. But also this sense of identity and how very clearly gendered roles are on Gaia. And the solution at the end is, oh, we, we slapped a dress on him, he's fine now. And I'm sorry you don't just have somebody live as a man for over a decade and, well, but but we're good now. It's all fine, especially when he's so clearly dissociating, when we see him in the magic sorcerer place earlier, and, and also all of the problems with the fact that they were using his character to talk about, like, the epitome of capital M masculine and capital F feminine traits mm-hmm. to s- such that Delando is like a tiny ball of murder and toxic masculinity and Selena is 
incredibly passive and childlike to a frankly uncomfortable degree. And I would like to spend some time exploring how that person meets in the middle of that and like puts everything back together. By the way, the fandom solution was bullshit 90s multiple personalities fanfic. Boring. Uh... And yeah, I have so many feelings of this character arc that was essentially introduced as a twist in the last second, used vaguely for the show's ideas about toxic masculinity, which are mostly good, but got they bit off way more than they could chew with this. And anyway, my son. Your terrible, beautiful son. I definitely tracked with the the idea of like the sort of literal embodiment of like these these coded ideas about like masculine aggression and feminine passivity. Um like within the character itself, which um, is, on the one hand, kind of an interesting imagery, but on the other hand, really insensitive. So yeah. uh, not super well thought out on the team's part. Um, so, Vry, you you agree that it's DeLandau and he, not Selena or not they, because I'm watching the last few episodes going, because at the end, DeLandau sort of gives up on this, like, aggressive I don't know I guess a part of me wondered if we were almost supposed to read it as like in the same way Vaughn is like this gentle person who gets shoved into the like forcibly shoved into like taking on these like toxic masculine roles um if we were supposed to see that with Delandau um I feel like and this idea of like it's okay to be Mm -hmm. that feminine person again does that make sense yeah I I think with Delandau I think they would be completely viable in the same way it would have been with Noriko if that had Mm -hmm. been explored by a writer with a better grasp on the topic um yeah I tend to default to heat when talking about it just because for ease of understanding but yeah if we were talking about like what gender identity I think an actually complete arc for that character would go to I I think I think they would be more appropriate and I don't, I genuinely don't know about, like, if, because the thing is, I don't think that, I think the series wants us to think that they're Selena again and everything is fine now, but also, who even is Selena? She is a non-character. It's not very yeah, satisfying. I mean, she, was, she was taken away, what, like, ten years ago? Mm-hmm. So, maybe longer? As a very um, small and she girl. Was, yeah, and she was very young. Well, if Delando's 15, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Delina? <laughs> The character, if the character, is Alan's sibling, is 15, um, then Selena was probably taken at, like, age five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, right. yeah, so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, the, the, there's this, there's a structure that is followed in a lot of uh, Japanese fiction. I don't remember where it started, if it was Akutagawa or if it was further, I think it was further back than that. I'm positive it was further back than that. But it's this idea of, like, start slow, escalate quickly, finish fast. Mm. And you see it in a lot of media, and it comes across, I think, it's kind of jarring, because I think in a lot of um, Western films, we tend to give more time for the, the sort of wrap-up conclusion. But because everything, it's like, we get the reunions, we get, like, the big kind of emotional, but we don't get any of the fallout. It's just like, and that's the end of the series. And it's like, uh, but... Excuse me, no wait. There's still quite a bit left to explore here. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder if that has any, like, anything to do with why such why Japan has such a large transformative fiction culture Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if those are related at all Uh, it's definitely possible like that it it kind of encourages the 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 quick endings kind of encourage you to come up with your own like conclusions and tie things up after the fact um, and I think that's very much the thing with Delandau. So I am sorry, Vry, that the fandom has failed you yeah. on this. It sucks on so this much. point. But the fandom produced that beautiful, beautiful Angel Fire website that oh, I linked God, to it was you guys beautiful. too. I, I will say there was there's one good fic that still is extant on Ao3 that's about like Deland Selena Delandau um, kind of trying to settle in. It's not really so much about them trying to find their identity because it's a short fic but it's about mm-hmm. them being ace and alan not being a shitbag about it and that was a nice fic mm. that, that was oh, that's good. cute oh, yeah that's nice uh, i i guess i just with delando their story arc feels the most because everybody still has stuff to explore but they all feel like they've reached a conclusion in some way like Malerna's going yeah. to mm-hmm. go off and do some stuff and alan's going to think about how to be less of a shitbag except he's not <laughs> and that concerns me about how he's going to treat his newly returned sibling um 
and you know Hitomi is going to grow up and Vaughn's going to be a kinder king but Delando gets acted on has a meltdown has another different meltdown that puts him in the hands of kinder caretakers and end of story yeah he really doesn't get a chance to to grow um or to explore which is a shame because he is definitely I don't want to say he's like one of the more interesting characters um in the show because they're all really good characters Mm -hmm. but there are so many opportunities to introduce a complexity to him that never really happened yeah I think I think dragging dragging them out of the story for those six episodes and then throwing them back in at the very end was a mistake I think they could have spent those six episodes like actually checking in on on uh the character regularly and the ending the 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 sort of the ending of like you know I have to fight no it's okay you don't have to be this ball of toxic aggression um you know you you can go back to to being that that gentle person that you that you actually kind of want to be I think that could be I think that could be a really good story and I don't think they they just didn't do it right at all Um, yeah yeah because I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with like that it could have been a great opportunity to decouple those traits from their gendered assumptions yeah Mm mm-hmm uh, but no, series over. Hitomi went home, and she's having a good time, and I'm glad for her. But and then there's we've introduced this whole new character who is just crucially important and didn't show up until this last batch of episodes. Are we talking about Jajika? Yeah, the dog that looks a lot like Alan. Oh. I just want to point out that's yeah. Doggo Alan. Um, <laughs> and I think that was intentional, almost certainly. Yeah. Um. And and then they bring in the fantasy racism again. There's a lot. I think Escaflone. I still, I still really like it. I think it does very well for as much as they crammed into 26 episodes. I do think it's one of those shows that probably could have benefited from another core mm-hmm. or just, just mm-hmm. a little less stuff happening in the last stretch. Those rumored 39 episodes would have been about yeah, that. Would um, neither confirm nor deny. Because I think we get a lot of these side characters who come in for a couple episodes. And as far as economy of storytelling goes, I think Escafoni, I think Escafoni could have been an absolute train wreck and it isn't. Um, so, like, as far as economy of storytelling goes, it does a it does it does a serviceable job with as much as it's trying to do. Um, but I think uh, I think Delando kind of gets I think Delando gets shortchanged here at the end. Um, I think Jajika and the whole kind of undercurrent about how beast people are like second class citizens. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. It keeps popping up as like a background element, but they're always used as vehicles for the non beast people's character growth. Um, and it's not super well done. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of sucks a little bit. It's, it's, it's very much background. Um, it's background world building that like clearly, again, like I think we talked about this last week and I can't remember with who, um, I guess with Aria and Naria, we were saying, and I was saying how it feels like there's a lot of notes somewhere about this world and how things work and just they just couldn't fit it all in in a in a um complex like fully fleshed out way within the the amount of time they had it's no planet with with the economy of storytelling and and i mean it's it's a storytelling style i don't hate you know i i play me some from soft games but it doesn't work when you are doing that with characters who are such a loaded metaphor you don't get to exactly set that over there yeah i think i think the that background world that we're not necessarily going to explore creates a creates a sense of like depth to gaia that's really nice um but yeah like you said with the with these more loaded metaphors you kind of have to be willing to explore them or just don't include them otherwise it's just a very shallow um Look, prejudice is bad. You mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I, was like, I, I know we Which included. It is. They're not. It, wrong. it is. Prejudice but is bad. It's, See it's so all shallow. of these non-prejudiced, uh, all these privileged characters grappling mm-hmm. with the idea that prejudice is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, and so many of them are lawmakers, but it, like, it, has Vaughn felt the need to do anything on Merle's behalf throughout his entire life with this kinghood kinda, that he has now? I do sort of get the sense that. Finalia was more equitable because like when the story starts he's good friends with those those like dog people who they meet when they first get to Gaia in like the first episode mm-hmm. and the guy who who hooks Falcon up with Vaughn and they seem to be like a traveling caravan or something and they seem to be on good terms with everybody so I get the sense that Finalia's better about that stuff than maybe the rest of the world is especially Zybok you know the fascist empire <laughs> um, <laughs> the very subtle 
I, I know we put this at the end of the notes, but I, I do think that all of this is why nobody can remember a good goddamn about what happens in Escaflone, because the plot <laughs> elements are either very by-the-book fantasy in some ways, or kind of rushed, and the, it only holds together because of the characters and how they feel. Right, yeah, no, just every, everything happens so much that by the end of an episode, it feels like you've watched five episodes worth of plot, and mm. the only thing that really sticks with you is how the characters reacted to it and how the characters um felt in the name of these plot developments but like what actually happened is not as clear like you know it's easier to remember like you know Hitomi was dating Alan and then Alan was a jerk bag and then uh got really angsty because Hitomi was going to he knew Hitomi was going to break up with him for Vaughn and mm -hmm. then like like, it's so much easier to remember that than, like, all of the surrounding plot developments that were going on at the same time. Yeah. I Fate alteration something or other. Yeah. And which, I mean, to be fair, that is kind of the theme of Escaflone. Feelings are the most powerful. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> in its own in its own awkward way it uh, it it forwarded that idea um by having everything happen so much yeah i think you mentioned like mm -hmm. you you were talking in the uh, in our chat about how you escaflone has a beautiful ending and just don't think about it too hard <laughs> no if i think about it for more than 60 seconds it kind of falls apart but it is beautiful <laughs> in that like wonderful messy adolescent metaphor way that um i think good isekai are um so yeah um, yeah i just won't worry too much about the plot mm -hmm. I, I was talking with um with dorothy actually and she pointed out that so so often shoujo each isekai are coming of age stories and stories about accepting responsibility and growing and so the more modern boom of male isekai is about escapism wish fulfillment and getting all the things you deserved that you didn't get yep so right. i was thinking they, about they that stopped. too so i'm glad you brought it up <laughs> They, they, yeah, they very much, they, the shoujo ones very much start off as, uh, trying to escape. And there's a couple of different routes that they tend to take. Um, but usually they start off with a girl who is, wants to escape something or, or some way. Uh, and then when she's drawn into this other world, um, she's, needs to learn it, it functions the way that through her experiences in the other world she is now able to accept her responsibilities right she, that she, she had when she went back and there are also series where she chooses to stay in that other world like red river or from far away spoilers god <laughs> oh. i'm kidding they're 20 years old it's yeah <laughs> sorry I spoiled these 20 year old shoujo series i mean um so but like so, like, there are a couple of different ones, like, a couple of different routes for the series to take. Um, but they do generally have the theme of... and But those are usually, like, she has a better, like, fits in better in this other world after she is... She was just an ordinary girl in her own world, but in this other world, she finds responsibilities and and connections that she had in the other world. But, yeah, no, Escaflone is very much, like, learning to... Ex learning acceptance and responsibility in your own life and then coming back with the lessons that you've learned. Uh, it is, I know that like it, it, it does have echoes of like almost a Joseph Campbell sort of thing. Mm -hmm. how, um, so? how so? Yeah. Can you like, can well, you expand on that? So like the, the monomyth is, mm -hmm. and the, the monomyth has a lot of limitations. Um, I'm not I'm not a big Joseph Campbell stan. I went through that phase in college. Didn't we all? But so the idea of the monomyth is that it usually starts off with the hero um, descending into the underworld for some reason. Um, and then in the underworld, he meets all these archetypal figures. Um, he usually like refuses the call uh, he has to refuse the call at some point. Um, you know, Hitomi being like, I can't do this. I don't want to fortune tell anymore. Mm -hmm. um, my memory of this is approximate. I remember bits and pieces. Sure, sure. 
Um, I don't remember the full cycle. And then... No, um, that's fine. I just figured for folks at home to yeah. get a little bit of a better idea of, like, what Escaflowne is kind of toying with as far as archetypes go. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, it descends into the underworld um, or, you know, go, has an, goes into this otherworldly sort of realm. Um, and then through his experiences, I use he because Campbell all, like, uses he because he was kind of sexist. Well, um, and most of, the, most of the old, old myths do focus on dudes. So. Yeah, mm. but <laughs> so anyway, um, so then he can't, he becomes victorious after hitting rock bottom and reemerges back into his life with these new skills, mm-hmm. um, which is very much like um, Escaflone. Uh, Fushigi Yugi has a yeah. lot of shades of that. Right. And mm-hmm. also that element of, well, not the these kind of stories usually cut off before them, but like with those monomyths, there's always that element too of like with the end of Lord of the Rings where the hero comes back, but they don't fit in the comfortable home place anymore. Like they, they are too changed. Yeah. And I would say that's, I, I think that Escaflone doesn't necessarily go that route, that route. Like Hitomi comes home and like, she's definitely changed, but she, I mean, she says I'm doing fine. And she seems to be, she's more aware of herself and the people around her and, so she's kind of like, you know, ready to to take that that next step as as into adulthood. Mm-hmm. I'm just so yeah. proud of her. I know she's such a good character. She, she takes really is. she continues to just take no shit in a way that's like I don't think she comes across as like a stereotypical I shouldn't even say stereotypical cuz I like I like tough angry girl characters who take no shit, but and but Hitomi is not that while still like standing up for herself. And I like that because I think you do tend to see extremes mm-hmm. um especially in especially in you know sort of fantastical media um and so the fact that you know Hitomi is conflicted and you know doesn't want to go out and fight but at the same time like she ref- she doesn't want she refuses to be put on the sidelines. Alan is such a douchebag and oh she puts up with none of it. Um, she's like, you know, he's like, what? he was like, and then you ran off at that time. She's like, I don't really think that's any of your business. And now I'm going home by myself. So leave me alone. Um, Vaughn, you know, um, Vaughn has that whole thing about like, oh, I have to protect you. And she's like, I didn't ask you to do that. Yeah. Um, so she's, yeah, I, I really like Hitomi. I think she has, she has a good character arc while she comes into the story already kind of great. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and then but she still she still has a good arc and grows as a person and and has these these kind of ups and down moments and uh, she's she's a wonderful protagonist. I, I will say she does kind of get stuck interpreting Vaughn's uh, Vaughn's emotions for us in in that one stretch there. That becomes her role in the plot because she's kind of sorted her own feelings mostly. So there's a lot of her like standing on the edges of balconies and telling us how Vaughn is feeling many, many miles away. Although I, I do like that, um, that kind of thing this show is playing with where, where she's talking about how, no, you didn't, you're not actually concerned about protecting me. Basically, uh, I am a convenient excuse for you to go to war and enjoy it in the name of protecting hearth and home and helpless women. Yeah, that's an yeah. idea that comes up. I mean, it's 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 been floating there from pretty much the beginning, but we see it so much in this last stretch. This idea of like war being about protecting, but how that's less an ideal and more of an excuse um, to. And then this is this is something that comes up in um, a few other mecha series. It comes up in Star Driver, and I really like the way the, what they do there. And one day we're gonna have a Star Driver watch along. Damn it, we will. But this <laughs> um, this this kind of like this the fine line between like protecting or, you know, keeping someone safe and controlling them. And this idea of like, cause you know, these are characters with giant robots and power and there are people who don't have that power. And like, how do you wield that in such a way that you're helping people? You're not just like manipulating them or, you know, over overriding their, their personal will. Um, and I think Escaflone uh, spends a lot of time in this last arc talking about that and does a pretty good job. Um, not letting the characters be controlling D-bags. Um, like, yes. again, I think the fact that Hitomi reacts immediately sourly to Alan, uh, the other disaster sibling, as I lovingly call them, um, <laughs> oh God, is, is very, 
is very indicative of of how the show of what how the show feels about those behaviors like it's very much a show that is coming down against these toxic masculine ideas about you know uh, controlling others and using aggression as an using aggression to to like fighting conflict with conflict you know um violence literally begetting violence um is very much a part of these final episodes and you know that willingness to like stop take a breath and be honest with each other um i yeah the 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 thing the thing i kept kind of writing in my notes and i i went on a minor tweet rant about this the other day too um is the show i think does a very smart job of showing how the characters feelings are valid but they're expressing them in really unhealthy or damaging ways and like the ne- the necessity to d- deal directly with those feelings without the toxic um response to them right um, which mm-hmm. which is alan alan my my trash bag who sucks but <laughs> i still like him somehow He's, apparently he sucks more in one language track than the other yeah um so i was thinking like while isaac was sort of talking about gravity while look watching people fighting i was thinking about um i saw a clip from a gundam char's counterattack where mm-hmm. char was hollering about how he wants to destroy the earth because people are weighed down by gravity and then a girl just like is so moved by this that she stands up and says gravity that's why my parents fight. Um, <laughs> and, and then she okay. instantly goes from being on, on Amaro's side to uh, threatening to shoot Amaro because he was attacking Char. Um, because Tomino. But anyway. Um, That's beautiful. And, but I was thinking about that and sort of like mentally comparing that to Dornkirk's whole thing about like how everyone who was fighting was also like being weighed down by gravity but the thing is that Gundam is always so like we're gonna fight to end war like you know this like the at, at least the ones that I have seen have been like this is gonna be the war to end all wars uh we're gonna come down to the earth and beat up the empire and that's gonna end war forever and Escaflone had characters saying that and then they were like no that's stupid. You end fighting by stopping fighting. I will say Double uh, O tried to interface with that idea. It did it bad because of how it was forced to pace itself in two 25-episode seasons, but it tried. Ah, the sunrise effect. Anyway, it was one season that was 25 episodes long, and it was a tragedy. Mm. Sure did enjoy. <laughs> anyway, anyway, go on. <laughs> but yeah, like, just sort of... I don't know. I don't have any grand conclusions that I drew from this, but just sort of the, uh, you know, parallels and echoes and. Yeah. It does uh, get in. Sorry. I don't know when did, I don't know when Char's counterattack came out. I think it was the eighties. Um, but like Escafone is roughly contemporaneous with Gundam wing, which also had like fighting to end fighting sort of plot threads and silliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, boy, there sure is some extremely overt Hiroshima imagery in this last spat Ooh, of episodes. That yes. too. <laughs> yep. And about about atrocities and the effects and lots of bloody battlefields. Like, I don't think- Crusaders. It... There were crusaders. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's necessarily all successful. I, I think a lot of the talk with Dornkirk and all of that everything that is not about Hitomi having her own personal breakthrough is kind of word salad bullshit, if well-meaning word salad bullshit. True. But I do think it's driving toward some, like, something. I think I lost my, my train of thought there. Um, but That's all right. <laughs> I, I, yeah, well, no, Escaflone is, I think, very, very explicitly, like, anti-fascist, anti, anti-war, anti-violence. Um, and it's kind of... But it's, I think it's one of those shows where the creators are um, smart enough to know that it's not quite that simple. So they're trying to, they're trying to come down hard on this stuff because it is worth saying. And, you know, maybe a few years ago I might have been like, oh, it's a little heavy handed. And now I'm like, no, we have actual fascists in power again. So we need to actually be really heavy handed about this shit, turns out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but 
anyway, um, but I do think that there's there's that kind of that element where like Dornkirk's like, oh, you know, the the love of these two people, the love of these these people. I mean, not just Alan, uh, God, not just Vaughn and Hitomi, but also like Alan and his sibling. Um, I think this idea of like, you know, oh, this this honest, open communication, like desire to help each other, um, has has stopped this war. But then there's kind of that sense of like, but for how long? you know, people are fickle and there's all these conflicting desires that are going to keep kind of clashing against each other. And so there's this understanding at the end that like, no, there's probably not going to never, ever be another skirmish on Gaia ever again. Um, but Vaughn is taking the steps needed to approach things from the perspective of, you know, we're going to uh, focus on personal agency and kindness and, and you know, kind of try to get back to that that compassion rather than rather than immediately jumping to well, I've got to kill them or they're going to kill me. Um, so it's and again, it so much happened so quickly there at the end. I I finished the episode, the penultimate episode, and was like, how are they going to wrap this up in twenty five minutes <laughs> with feelings? Um, and the answer is with feelings and with kind of an understanding of like we don't have a hundred percent good answer, but this is a start. Um, I will say, how much bullshit is it that? Like, uh, Falcon gets his, his, you know, redemptive death for all the war, war crimes, what he did. And that's good. That's a good thing to do with his character, even if Joji Nakata made me feel a sad because he's good at acting. Um, yeah. but Dornkirk uh, gets to- I'm so mad. I couldn't get the subs to work on the app. Oh, <laughs> I had to have Vic Mignona do the <laughs> speech. <laughs> I'm sorry, Caitlin. They're there. They're there. Moment of silence. But yeah. like, but like, meanwhile, Dornkirk does die, but it has no effect because he immediately gets to come back as a sage, wise, neutral ghost and like fuck this guy in particular, though. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of seemed like he just needed to come back to uh, exposit at Hitomi a little bit because he doesn't actually do anything. He's just like, with my death, this machine took over, and now there's nothing we can do, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of watches it unfold. Um, let's talk a little bit about Falcon, though, I think, since we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, because last week I said he kind of sucked. And then I got two episodes into this stretch and went, oh, damn, I like him again. <laughs> so. It's so, like, my smart brain with good thoughts is like, you're still a war criminal, sir. And I'm not sure any of this saying, well, I'm really sorry, though. Here's some intel makes up for that. But my heart meat and my love of Joji Nakata's voice and acting ability is like, oh, no, no, but he's dad, dead and I'm sad. I'm sad and he had a feeling and he's sorry, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, but the thing is, and this is one of the things I, I like about his clone, I think all of the characters are very, are flawed in really good ways because, like, yes, I'm sad about Falcon's death. Yes, I thought the, the part where you basically find out that one of the main reasons he decided, like, I need to work to end conflict on this planet is because he didn't want his brother to ever have to be forced into the situation he's been forced into at this moment. Um, they have that wonderful flashback where Vaughn's like, well, isn't it mean to kill dragons? And Falcon's like, yeah, it yeah. is. You're right. <laughs> yeah, um, so good. Aww. And, and you know, brothers. like, his heel turn on Dornkirk is a little abrupt, but... Uh, understandable um and i think i think that idea of like you know we i still want to make this happen but you have to have actual regard for human life like you can't just be all reason and logic and ends justify the means um but at the same time he has no regard for his own life and he still tries to resolve violence with violence like his 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 answer at the end is i'm just going to protect everyone by killing dornkirk um and surprising, and un- surprising nobody, it doesn't work because that's the world of Escaflone. Because irony and luck. So his ending is is really tragic <laughs> because it actually doesn't accomplish anything. Yep. He's kind of a cautionary tale, albeit a very sympathetic yeah. one. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah, I think I'm willing to give him his redemption arc. Um, no, I yeah, I'm not yeah. Saying, I think they I think they redeemed him. I just, but I do think that I do think ultimately they didn't how do i put this his character is made sympathetic without them agreeing with his methods yeah does that make sense like, yeah he has i think he has the i think he has the best of intentions all the way through um and i think he makes the wrong choices most of the time um which again kind of comes back to that idea of like all these characters have these valid feelings that they are expressing in unhealthy ways it's definitely not a folk and did nothing wrong 
situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. He did so many yeah. things um, wrong. I'm sure wrong. if Escaflone came out today, there would definitely be a, a folk and did nothing wrong meme. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, folk and did many things wrong. Uh, and once he realized that he did many things wrong, he tried to do things right. Yeah, and, and again, I, I I do think, I think he having was him... always trying to do things right. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, he was always trying to do things right. But when he saw how wrong he was initially, mm-hmm. he was like, maybe this will be the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it was not entirely correct, but it was he tried. Not. But but it does uh. seem like a smart move having him die because like if you let that character live, there's just no way to balance out the ma- like the magnitude. Of all the shit he did, even meaning well. So, like, this I appreciate is, it as an arc. This is tangential, but I think it's really cool how, like, you see Foken in Vaughn's flashbacks, and you see the Foken, like, all the way back to before he went to fight the dragon, and he looks like Vaughn, and you see him in the now, and he doesn't look, he looks completely different, and I think it's cool mm-hmm. that how the flashbacks to varying points you can kind of see the evolution of his look mm-hmm. um i don't know it's it's not really a super relevant point but well, i thought that was well, really no, cool I, I see i see what you're saying too because it also kind of reflects his um different sort of worldviews and positioning because you know he looks mm-hmm. more like vaughn when he and vaughn are kind of in agreement and then they split and then he starts to look like teardrop bowie <laughs> and uh that's what i call him amazing <laughs> <laughs> And then he, uh, and then he, then he comes back. He and... truly is the man who sold the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, points off Escaflone though for having him wake up and reacting to his prosthetic arm as though he has like had some terrible part of his humanity ripped out. Like, I mean, if I woke up and didn't have my arm anymore, I'd probably freak out too. I think yeah, that's, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, character-wise, framing-wise, it felt a little bit like, oh no, he has become mechanical and less human because he has taken this part of Zybok's fascist empire into himself. And the show is a little shaky on how it wants to frame science as, like, it wants it to be a neutral tool that can be used for evil, but, like, mm-hmm. it's evil science some of the time, though. It, 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 I don't, it, oh. <laughs> it's constantly used for evil, so it's it's hard to, to get the neutral element that they're going for there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, feelings are good, science is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, <laughs> that's not a good message to take away, because that's how you get anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. Um, but did they, did they actually say who Dornkirk was, like, which Isaac was, because if they did in these last few episodes, I missed it, and I want it to be known. I, I feel like they are implying maybe that it, it was Newton, because Tomi goes back to class, and, he's, and they're like, you know, he invented gravity, but did you know he was also into all this alchemic shit? There was no gravity. There was no gravity. I don't know what you that. mean. <laughs> well, well, and what did I what did I call this in in my notes? Um, Newton's Newton's third law of emotions. Um, the idea of like conflict breeding conflict, and like Falcon kills Dornkirk and then is immediately murdered because of the like very literal equal and opposite reaction. Like, yeah, it, that's definitely the Isaac they are they are calling back to. Um, in this particular instance, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that was that. It, it's one of those things where like it is widely like I think it is one of the more popular spoilers that Dorenkirk is Isaac Newton. And mm-hmm. like during the the like previous stretches, Jared had like sat down with me for a couple of episodes and like when they showed a little bit about him uh his life on earth, he goes, "Oh, he's Isaac Newton." <laughs> um, so I just wasn't sure if they ever actually said it. No, it's never made explicit, but okay. it's, it's there. It's it's heavily enough implied that anime fandom has over the years uh, picked up on it. It is not a secret. It's good. It's good. Do we want to take a minute to talk about your trash bag, D? We 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 had dedicated a full ten minutes to mine, and I feel like Alan deserves the same respect. The other disaster sibling. Yes. Um, it's it's very, for, for our listeners who have been watching this the first time through, um, watching it a second time, some of the early episodes are hilarious because um, there's one episode that is like 
two parallel storylines, and one of them is Fulcan telling Delandau not to set fire to a, to a village, and then he does. And the other one is Ares telling Alan not to lead Malerna on, and he does. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, you guys are definitely related. <laughs> That's like, so obvious in retrospect. That is the shit um, I would love to see explored. Like, fucking, they, they're both so... I think, I think they're both characters who were supposed to see a trajectory for redemption at the end of this, but we don't quite get there. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what fan fiction is for, um, because I do think both of those arcs are really interesting. Um, I keep circling back to this idea about, like, you know, um, it's understandable where you're coming from, but you're being a shit about it. And I think that's very true of Alan. Like, we... Escaflani does a good job of being like, this is why he is the way he is. Like, his dad abandoned him, he lost his family, like, he keeps losing people that he cares about. So Hitomi gets kidnapped, he freaks out, and then he becomes a controlling asshole. And it's like, but but, but then Escaflani is also very good about going, no, that's not an excuse. You're still being an asshole. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hitomi um, calling him out like, don't control me, like, screw off. Yeah, like, again, they dated for about 12 minutes because, um he was awful and he told me he was not going to put up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's right. A couple episodes back, you were like, Oh, you are to Alan as I am to Sionji. And I think that is continuing to be legitimate because I think that's another show that does a good job of showing how people get to be the way they are without excusing the behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think we end up in a place with Alan where I sent you guys a message a couple episodes in where I was like, oops, Alan sucks. What a roller coaster I've been on. Um, and then, uh, but it always, it feels like the series always wants to kind of redeem him and just doesn't know how to do it yeah. because he's so locked into this like nightly role. And so the best they can come up with is um, his, I'm going to keep saying sibling because I'm just going to treat Delina in a um, in a sort of gender neutral place because the series doesn't quite know what they want to do with the character either. Um, his sibling shows up and it's like the first time someone they don't really respond to him at all, right? They don't recognize him. They don't remember him. Next time he sees him, they're on a batter, a battlefield, like trying to kill one of his buddies. Um, and I think it's one of the I think it's like the only time in the series where he actually takes the first step towards helping someone or trying to be kind to someone without them doing it first like beforehand it was always like he had no interest in people until they started expressing an interest in him right i talked about that last week Mm -hmm. like as soon as somebody's like i like you he's like oh i guess i like you back that's how that works um and so i think i think we're kind of supposed to see in the fact that he protects somebody who actually needs protecting in that moment um rather than you know just trying to be like manipulative and controlling um I think we're supposed to see that as, like, the first step towards him becoming less of a shit, like, realizing that he really just wanted a family, not a not a girlfriend. Like, he even says that about Hitomi. Like, I think I always just kind of saw her as a sister. Then that fanfic machine showed up, and things got weird. <laughs> so, um, but it, it's, he still sucks. Um, he just sucks less once, once he, once he's like, I want to do right by my sister, this, by my sibling this time. I don't want to, like, you know leave them for the wolves basically yeah it's it, it's kind of a bummer at the end of the day honestly because i, I do think that alan could be a better person um mm-hmm. like very easily and the show just actively resists giving him any moment of self-realization mm-hmm. to the point where i could like i could buy a universe where that does indeed become the first sign of him becoming a better person i could also easily see a terrible dark fic where he puts his sibling in a room and makes sure they never go anywhere and make sure that they are the perfect pretty princess that he remembered from when he was a child and uh, immediately starts dating malerna again yes I, that is a horrible that is the that is the darkest timeline that you just described <laughs> uh-huh. um i really liked is- how malerna uh malerna's conversation with him at the end though yeah let's let's talk about Malarna too for sure I think that's a good that's kind of a good place to spin to because I think maybe Alan and Hitomi never really get that moment where he goes yeah you're right I was being a, a dick like we need I think that I think that's part of the thing you're talking about Vry is like the fact that you can so easily see that darkest timeline is that we never quite get that moment where he realizes he's been awful mm-hmm. which is um, a shame which is important and like you said like I do think this is a character that is is it could easily move on to a path of being like a good dude but he's not there yet Mm -hmm. um but i think that scene with malerna is also perhaps a step in the right direction in that um he kind of honors her requests and the two of them sort of 
separate on cordial terms with her being like, no, I don't want to rely on you or anyone anymore. Um, I want to try to be more independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that scene. And I, I still like Dryden and Malerna. I think they're really cute. Yeah, I well, think and it helps could work yeah. in the long term. Mm-hmm. I guess. I thought Dryden leaving because, like, he felt like he needed to be of use to her, and since he wasn't, he wasn't, like, deserving of her love. I thought that was a weird scene, and I wasn't really sure what the point was. It's, yeah. It's, I think that's why I forget Dryden. Like, yeah. I think that's why he I keep forgetting he's a character. He doesn't really get a full arc, Mm-mm. which is too bad, because he is, I think he could have been a really good character. I like him. I think he and Malerna could be good for each other, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, I'm not sure I like him. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I think I'm on the fence. He's a little, he's a little smarmy. Don't yeah, get me he's got wrong. This, he's constantly got this like I always also, get what I want. But also, you like Alan, so <laughs> I do. But he's also a trash bag. Like I'm not going to pretend he's not a trash bag. <laughs> I'm just saying. Listen, listen. <laughs> Call he out responded to Dean. a breakup. He responded to a breakup by putting on his nice leather pants, sitting in a room with his pet owl in the dark, and draining a bottle of wine. I like that character. Well, talking to his dead dad. Call out post for D. Likes Alan, but does not like Dryden, even though they are very similar. Um, I think I think I'm I don't think I'm supposed to like Alan, and I think I'm okay. I don't think I'm supposed to approve of what Alan does. I think I'm supposed to approve of what Dryden does, and I think that's why I'm less certain that I like Dryden than that I like Alan, because I like that Alan is so as as I as one of my Twitter followers pointed, brilliantly flawed, like really a very well constructed character. I I feel Um, like with Dryden, it's supposed to. The series builds itself in a little back door with with Vaughn and Hitomi, where it's like, you know, I'm going home now, but we can reach each other any time as long as we know each other's thoughts. And it's like, all right, fanfickers, go on, do your thing. And they did. Um, we we'll talk on the internet every day. Uh huh. And we'll like, I think exchange phone call. We'll exchange emails. Absolutely. It our feelings will always remain the same and as passionate as they are when we're right here next to each other. Mm, long distance is hard, kids. But um, I think it wants to be that with Malerna and Dryden with, with this implication that they, the reason they need to break it off is because it was hasty and they're not grown to the point as people where they can make this potentially good relationship work. But it kind of mm-hmm. fumbles it in execution. It's so fast. Uh-huh. It's yeah. like one scene. Um, it's like, oh, they're fine. And it's like, no, they're not. Dryden's leaving because he feels like she doesn't deserve, or he doesn't deserve her yet. Which he doesn't. Um, right. Yeah. I like, mean, to no, be clear. He doesn't. It, to be fair. It's a con- no, he does not. Like, it's a conclusion I buy, but it's too rushed to be believable. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing I like best about it is that is where it kind of places Malerna because he's like, I'm going to leave. And she's like, can't promise I'll be waiting for you. Um, and then she has that really good scene with Alan, um, where you get the sense that she really wants to kind of move into like rather than Malerna is a character we've talked about this like she she definitely has these other goals and interests and is like a very she seems like a very capable and awesome character lady um but she keeps she personally keeps kind of latching on and defining herself by her relationship with a guy Mm -hmm. um so I do think that the end being like Dryden leaves and she doesn't immediately jump to somebody else. She's like, no, Alan, we're done. And again, to Alan's credit, he doesn't, he's not a controlling asshole. He goes, okay, cool. Fair enough. We're done. Fair enough. Yeah. It's like, um, the end of the Scott Pilgrim movie, which had many issues. Don't get me wrong. But like the part where knives looks Scott in the eye and says, you know, Scott, I'll always love you but I'm too good for you <laughs> and just turns around and walks away. I have realized that it's weird for you, a 25 year old to be trying to date me, the 17 year old in your band, which I mean, are the exact ages of Malerna and Alan. Yeah, so well so done. <laughs> what I want in my heart. And if this fanfic exists, I haven't found it or it's been lost to time is for Malerna to go out on the road as like a roadside uh, traveling doctor and to take Alan's sibling with her to be her assistant, and they become friends. And it's good. I would be that down would be for good. that fanfic. Yeah. Right? Be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> that sounds Transformative cute. Transformative fiction. Think, I think Malerna has to run the entirety of Asturia right now, though, yeah. because her dad's super sick, and her older sister, who is cool, and we've never talked about Ares. I like Ares. She's, um, 
she's a very minor figure, but she's like the one person in the story who is completely immune to Alan, <laughs> and they end up actually having kind of a great relationship because of that. She's the pragmatic like, sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she's like the one person he's kind of open and honest with, which is again kind of neat like the fact that she doesn't really like him makes him more willing to like tell her stuff like she's the only person he says my sister came back that's weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's she's kind of in that same camp as dude whose name i can't remember who pilots alan's ship they are there Gattis. they never get any development gaddis 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 is great mm-hmm. they're both i wish gaddis got more development <laughs> They're, I think they're both characters who, again, you get the sense there's backstory there, mm-hmm. um, and we just we just are not privy to it because there's too much else going on. Um, so much stuff. She's one where I think you could pull some subtext out, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. See, why didn't Escaflone get the treatment where they have, like, ten slice of li- different slice of life alternate universe spinoffs? Well, there were light novels. I don't know if they're just retellings of the story or what. If they suck as much as the shonen manga, maybe it's best we never know. It looks like they're just a retelling. Oh. Okay. Um, there is a uh, shoujo manga, in addition to the two-volume one, that has... Uh, it's, a cl- it's a bunch of different artists doing 15 mini-stories related to the series. Um, and I, I don't know anything else about it. That's what's on the wiki. But that would... That satisfy could maybe my desire. do something. Yeah, we need we need that sequel series because there is there's so much, and I had not realized that the ending of Escaflone was contentious. Like I really? sort of it was it was so obviously like as a kid. Well, I'm a, I'm a sucker for bittersweet endings. First of all, um, <laughs> I like I like I like the long distance finale where it's like, well, we're separated, but you know, you're gonna be you're still an important memory to me, and I'm gonna move on with my life. But like you know, I'm gonna think back on you fondly, kind of thing. Um, that ending has always stuck with me, even if I couldn't remember anything about the plot that led up to it. <laughs> um, and so I think I just always assumed that it was like accepted that it was a good ending. You know, Bebop is a good ending. Utna is a good ending. Escaflone is a good ending. Um, and then I, I very recently found out that that is not the case. And a lot of people did not like that ending. Um, but I will stand for it. So Yeah, it's one of those things where like, in my heart, I think they're really cute. I would be down for to imagine a future where Hitomi and Vaughn got together again, like as adults. But also, I don't want to see that dramatized in the show, if that makes sense. Because if it feels so, it feels so Harry Potter epilogue, which I hate. Like I hate those series that are like, and everyone married their destined partner who has been named in the course of the story, and they all got the jobs they wanted, and there was no conflict ever again. And this is all completely counter to those themes we we finished up with the nicer ending 10 pages ago, but we need to resolve all of these things on page and leave no room for fan fiction. Go. And then, and then retcon it in our, in our play that will come out 10 years later that reads very much like a fanfic, but this is not a Harry Potter podcast and we are not going to get into that. Nope. Um, <laughs> but like that, that impetus, I really hate the tie up all the loose ends. Cause like they left babies ever after. Yeah. yeah. They, they left that door no. open of our hearts can always reach each other. That is for you, the fans. But the the, yeah. the main impetus of the narrative is to wrap up Hitomi's story and, as you know, Gaia as this sort of green, green world of adolescence where you go in and you are changed and you come back to the normal world. That's the narrative supersedes your shipper feels. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And I, I had some... I. I sent out a tweet that was basically like, if you don't like the ending of Escaflone, you can huff my shorts, Daryl. <laughs> and um, I had a lot of people respond to it that were like, I used to hate it. And then as I got older, I really appreciated it. And I was like, okay, so, and I think part of it is just, there is that, that kind of knee jerk desire for like the perfect sweet ending. And then you go, oh wait, no, thematically speaking. And like, as far as this character's arc goes, this makes more sense. Um, I also, I also think it fits like when he told me gets, you know, uh, swept away to Gaia part of it is because she's sort of grappling with the fact that this guy she likes is moving away and she might never see him again and you know do I tell him that I do I have the courage to tell him that I like him before he leaves um and she ends up turns out she's not really that into Amano um but that still plays out in her story on Gaia where she you know becomes more aware of herself and the feelings of others and more certain in herself but then she also still has to deal with the fact that no we are going he is quote unquote moving away like I still do have to deal with that separation and like where you go from there um so 
Yeah. I like it. I think it's I think it's more true to the the kind of intense passionate relationships of high school that very rarely, you know, actually like lead to marriage and being together forever and ever. Um mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's very well done. Yeah. <laughs> even even if there are some uh, some loose ends with some of the side characters that I wish they'd had more time to to tie up. Overall, I'm very fond of the ending. Yeah, just to make the reference yeah. pool four for four. Like when I was 15 and I watched Gunkutsuo for the first time, the ending really bummed me out and I kind of hated it. But as an adult, I'm really glad it didn't end the way I wanted it to when I was a teenager. So it would have been such a nightmare. <laughs> or it's like um, people who are mad uh, about how uh, Paradise Kiss ended. And thought that uh, Yukari and George haven't read stayed. it. Haven't read it. Haven't read oh. it. Not listening. <sighs> Sorry. Would, would would like to read it. Okay. Um, should I take I off stop. my headset? <sighs> yeah, I know what you mean, though. Um, and I, yes. In Parakis's case, all you have to do is wait long enough, and each successive version will slowly erode the effects of the original story. Yay! I'm so mad that article is coming. Yeah. No. <laughs> It's okay, D. We're not going to go farther. Okay, thank you. Because I'll take off my headphones if I need to. This it's a series I actually do want to read, so I do act, so I do care about. Normally, I'm not. I don't get too fussed about spoilers, but this one, this one, I would like to not not know how it ends. Just it yet, has so. it has similar, honestly, kind of similar themes to Escaflone, but uh, very different, like everything else. So. Then I will probably be into it um, because I am into Escaflone. Um, I still don't, even after this rewatch, I'm still not sure if I would slot it onto my list of like best beloved titles ever. But it's 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 right there on the edge because I do like it an awful lot. It's really good, and it's just like it's it's got so much going for it. Because um, it's not just like a really good like well done story and characters, but it's just vi- like visually, honestly, visually. Watching this whole thing, Asturia, incredibly gorgeous. Um, like the mecha design, I'm not a big mecha person, but every time the Escaflone changes into a dragon, it's super cool. Every time, like, Vaughn, you know, like, sprouts his wings and, like, grabs hold of Hitomi and flies away, I'm like, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, like, it is, it is not a perfect series, but. It does what it does well. It does so well. Yeah, I think it's I think its strengths not only outweigh its flaws, but I think its flaws are, especially especially given that it was made twenty years ago, um, its flaws are fairly easy to overlook. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. like we talked about in Fushigi Yugi about how like overall we we agreed that the series has a lot of value, but some of those flaws are so are so dramatic that like it totally makes sense if they're deal breakers for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, like they can, if they can jet, they can really affect your enjoyment of the story. And I think Escaflone, um, I don't think it tries to do quite as much as Fushigi Yugi does. Like to Fushigi Yugi's credit, I think it's a very ambitious, messy story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, that those, those flawed elements aren't quite as um, in your face and like, you know, um, intense deal breakers um, for folks, so right. it, it makes it an easy. I think it makes it an easier one to recommend to people. Even going, yeah, it was made twenty years ago, but it's still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like Fushigi Yugi soars higher and crashes harder in some ways than Escaflone. Like I said, yes, I think so. Yeah, Escaflone never hit me as hard in the like in the feels mm-hmm. as no. uh, as Fushigi Yugi does. Mm-hmm. Um. Even if it is overall a much more polished series, um, obviously, like, and like, to- a story told by a more uh, experienced sol- uh, storytellers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I will, and like, it, it has that benefit of the fact that it's so vague about some of its themes, like. The reason I, I, I love Delando so much and I, I really don't have that same attachment to to Noriko is that Delando's story is buried under about six layers of coding rather than explicitly talking about the thing up front. So it's fuck ups are easier to to take and fix. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of Escaflone runs um, on subtext and like implicit stuff um, a bit more, I would say. Mm hmm. Yeah, sure. Which it, it's but just I, it's just one of those dangers, I or risks, I guess, of of media that really wants to be overtly progressive and tackle these these 
sensitive issues is that if you succeed, you you did something inimitable. But if you crash, oh boy, you are going to age fast and poorly. Yep. Yeah. Um, which I guess brings us to the question we do have to ask. Is Escaflone a feminist? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Podcast over. Sorry. I'm gone. <laughs> Bryce, we just hear a crash as Bryce's computer flies out the window. <laughs> no, I am kidding. Obviously, um, that is not that is a that is a reductive question. We do not ask here on Chatty AF, except that one time Caitlin did to troll to troll Amelia on our uh, but also on our Miss Hokusai podcast, but also sincerely. Um. But uh, yeah, well, I guess on that note, like, not not is Escaflona a feminist, but like, would you recommend this to a? Um, I mean, oh, I I would say it's pretty obvious that overall we're all we're all pretty positive on this series. Like during the rewatch, I don't think any of us like surprised ourselves by souring to a show that we had liked. Like it sounds like we all still like it. Mm-hmm. Um, would you recommend it to a feminist friend? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely comes with some caveats up front, and that. You know that that probably that that overall sentiment that if you pick at this show, it is going to unravel. Which I don't mean to say, and therefore don't critique it. But that you kind of have to engage with it on a certain level just just to make it work at all. You you have to be willing to sincerely go with that with those emotions of of feeling all of the things. Everything happens so much. Yeah, yeah, and and I I think sometimes there's this idea that like. How do I say this in a way that's not like stop cr- criticizing things? How dare you? Um, the sense of like nitpicking uh, plot points, which fine, you can criticize plot points, but like when they don't actually matter for the overall story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like kind like of getting the, lost, like the, like losing the forest for the trees. The kind cinema of thing. sin sort of approach. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's not um, gonna work. And I think that's and I think. That does kind of a disservice. I think that as I think that as like an audience member, I think that you're kind of depriving yourself of an ex- of an experience um, if you if you take that approach to stories. And I think that Escaflone is very much a story about the power of feelings, but I also think like that emotionality is important. That's that's why stories stick with us. Like we can't remember the plot, but we like this show. We remembered liking the show. We remembered these characters. And I think that I think sometimes that gets that gets swept under the rug, um, so that we that so that we can all like, you know, poke fun at like the fate alteration machine and mm-hmm. the luck soldiers and yeah, it's ridiculous. But it serves it serves a broader purpose of this like adolescent narrative and these these characters you know, working through a lot of toxic ideas and coming out the other side better. And I think that's good and has a lot of value. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's, there's still plenty of like criticism one could make about, I don't think this, these emotions sold in this place. I don't think this arc ended in a place where the character fully completed their growth as a person, but that's not the, I, I think those, that too often gets lumped in with kind of taking an aloof approach to the nuance the the magical word that we're always coming like approaching a half life toward on this show nuance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not worth yeah, good important. today no 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 I I think I think you I think you you caught it I think that's the point <laughs> yeah but overall I do I am I am fond of it so yeah I guess recommendation I guess uh, rewatch along success uh well done gang we have we have knocked out another another classic 90s isekai Yay. together um it was fun it wasn't quite as epic as our last one um which was so many episodes long <laughs> 10 episodes <laughs> yeah that one we got to the end of that one and i felt as if i had been on i felt as if i had been on my own isekai journey and come out the other side yeah <laughs> um which so you know what you know what? It was a great bonding experience for the three of us. Yeah, it was. I think well, it, it brought. Th- I think it brought us closer together. I am incredibly <laughs> glad that we did that. Power of friendship, and mm-hmm. and 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 you know, clearly, clearly, doing Escaflone will will only strengthen our bonds. <laughs> um, it's that gravity. Remember <laughs> that gravity. Yeah, the solution um, is gravity. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to do another one at some point too. Oh heck yeah. Um. Well, that is that we are at the hour though, and I have kind of said a lot of the concluding things. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else y'all wanted to uh, mention here at the end? Good show. Shame it's locked behind Funimation's nonsense right now. 
Oh, also send me, send me your Delano fan art if it exists. I'm dying. It's a desert. I'm dying. Okay, Vry needs Delano fan da- fan art. Uh, get on that. Get on that, dear dear listeners. Um, save them. Save them from this. All right, now we can do housekeeping. All right. Okay. So that brings us to the end of our Escaflone rewatch along. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard. Tell your friends about us, and if you really liked what you heard, we'd love it if you'd head over to www.patreon.com backslash animefemist and become a patron for at least a dollar a month. We have so many big, exciting plans in our future. The fundraising effort that we had in December was a amazing success, um, but there's still so much more we want to do. Um, so, you know, every, every donor on Patreon helps us get that much closer to uh, paying our contributors more money and getting some actual full-time staff and uh, expanding the content that we do to have, you know, more reviews or more articles or what have you. Um, so yeah, check us out. Uh, that's again, www.patreon.com backslash anime feminist. Um, your support goes a long way towards helping us happen both in print and in your earbuds. If you're interested more from the team and our contributors, you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com on Facebook at anime fem on Tumblr at anime feminist and on Twitter at anime feminist. And that is the show. Um, I should have come up with a witty phrase to say here at the end. Anybody got an idea? And then I'll say it, and then Peter can cut the part where I was trying to figure out what to say. Feelings. Was there? Remember, was there everyone. Good... Feelings. Okay, yeah. Uh, and that's the show. Harness the power of your feelings, Annie Fam, and we will catch you next time. Bye.